I am Grandpa, and I love you. I'm Grandma, and I love you too. Welcome to our podcast, Grandpa and Grandma Bedtime Stories. We share some stories that will make you laugh. We share stories that might make you cry. And we share stories that will give you courage to choose the right. And these bedtime stories will help you to dream sweet dreams. So get on your pajamas and say your prayers. Turn out the light and hear our story tonight. Good evening. This is Grandpa Edward Jeffrey Hill, and tonight's bedtime story is about how miracles can occur if you exercise your brain, you exercise your faith, and you follow your impressions. You will remember from our last story that Dr. Terry Olson had asked me to give a seven-minute talk in Geneva, Switzerland at a special session of the General Assembly of the United Nations, and I only had 10 days to prepare. During that week, I prepared very well. I wrote out my talk and practiced it over and over again and timed it. It had to be exactly seven minutes long. I was very proud of the talk I wrote, but it was far too long. I like to talk. It took me 14 minutes to deliver my talk, even if I read it as fast as I could. And that was way too long. Oh no, I would have to cut the talk in half or by 50% down to seven minutes. I didn't want to do that. It was such a good talk. It was so hard for me to do. But one day before I was to fly to Geneva, I had a talk that was exactly seven minutes long, not one second longer, not one second shorter. My traveling companion to Geneva was Dr. Craig Hart, the best researcher in the School of Family Life. Juanita dropped us off at the Salt Lake International Airport. She gave me a big hug and a kiss and whispered in my ear, I'll see you in Geneva in a couple of days. We were so excited to be able to go there together. One bit of advice, when you grow up and are married, if you're going on a business trip, find a way to bring a family member. I've had many, many, many fun adventures by doing that. Craig and I carried our luggage to the Delta ticket counter to check in. We were flying on Air France to Paris, and then after a two-hour layover, we would fly from Paris to Geneva. We would arrive in Geneva at about 11 a.m. That would give us six or seven hours to check into our hotel, shave, take a shower, get beautiful, get dressed in our best suits. Then we could practice a few times and take a taxi to the Palais de Naciones and be there a couple of hours ahead of time. It would be tight time-wise, but not really a problem. Or so we thought. When we presented our passports to the ticketing agent at the airport, he asked us if we really wanted to go on this flight. I asked, why would we not want to go? The agent responded, there is an airline strike scheduled to start in Paris at midnight. It is almost sure that your flight from Paris to Geneva will be canceled. Oh, no. I asked Craig, what should we do? He said, we should get on this flight. If we don't get on the flight, we, for sure, won't be able to speak in Geneva. If we get on the flight, we will get to Paris and maybe we can exercise our brains, exercise our faith, and find a little miracle 
to get us from Paris to Geneva. Or maybe the strike will be resolved at the last minute and we'll just be able to take our flight. In any case, let's get on the flight to Paris. So we went forth and got on the plane with faith, not knowing beforehand the things that we should do. We hoped for the best. We flew through the night from Salt Lake to Paris and arrived at about 8 a.m. Paris time. The strike had indeed started, and on the reader boards, every single flight had the word canceled by it in big red letters. We were in the airport in Paris. We only had nine hours to get to Geneva, Switzerland for our speeches. We exercised our brain and decided, hey, we could rent a car and drive. It was only 336 miles, and we could drive to Geneva in six hours. That would cut it close, but we could do it. We were happy. So we called rental car agencies and found out all the rental cars were rented. With the airline strike, many had the same idea that we had. We were discouraged. Craig said, let's exercise our faith. So we each said a silent prayer to have some idea, some impression about what to do next. Right after that, Craig spoke up and said, I bet you there is a train that goes from Paris to Geneva. It was now about 10 a.m. We frantically searched and asked several people where we could buy a train ticket. They all spoke French And frankly, they were not very helpful. But after about 20 minutes, we found a ticket counter where we could buy train tickets. After waiting in line for what seemed to be five days, it was really about 15 minutes, we talked to the agent who sold train tickets. He told us that there was indeed a high-speed express train that went straight from the main Paris train station, Gare de Lyon, to the main Geneva train station, Gare de Cornevin. It left at 11.29 and got into Geneva at 2.44. We would arrive and still have two hours and 16 minutes to find our way to the Palais de Naciones. We were so excited. This was a chance to make it. We went to buy the ticket, and then the agent looked on his computer and told us that all the seats on that train were sold out, and there wasn't another train with seats until 7.29 p.m., and that would be way too late. Oh, no, I asked Craig, what can we do now? Craig said to me, we can exercise our brains and we can pray. But right now, let's buy a couple of tickets and go to the train station and see what we can do. So we bought two tickets on the high-speed express train from Paris to Geneva for 7.29 p.m. We hurried outside with our luggage and caught a taxi and told them to get to the Gare de Lyon train station as fast as possible. We had about an hour before the 11.29 train would leave. This taxi driver was very experienced, and he scared us to death, darting in and out of heavy traffic. We gave him a good tip because he got us to the train station at 11.15, 14 minutes before the train we needed to be on would leave. But now what should we do? Our tickets were for a train that left eight hours later. What would you do?
Well, this is what we did. We walked down to the platform where the beautiful high-speed express train that could take us straight to Geneva without stopping was just sitting there. We noticed people were boarding the train. We asked a train conductor who was on the platform how we could get on that train. He responded, you need a ticket to get on that train. Let me see your tickets. We handed him our tickets and he replied, you can't get on now. You'll have to wait for eight hours. The train is full. Then we explained how we had flown all the way from the United States to give seven-minute speeches at a special session of the United Nations General Assembly. He said, I'm so sorry, but you just can't get on. There's no room for you. And then I jokingly asked, can we just get on top of the train and ride in the wind? He laughed. No, you cannot. This train goes so fast, it would blow you off, and you might be decapitated by a low bridge. By the way, the French know all about decapitation. We withdrew from the conductor and looked at all the people getting on this train. We wished we were like them. Then we noticed nobody was checking their tickets when they boarded. Craig got a gleam in his eye and said, best as I can recall, you know, Jeff, when the doors close on that train and it starts moving, it won't stop until it gets to Geneva. We could just get on and stand the whole way and get to where we need to go. I thought that was a little scary, but I knew we had to do it. So we looked to make sure the conductor wasn't looking, and then we hurried onto the train, and nobody checked our tickets. I thought, yay! But then Craig got serious. You know, if we don't have the right ticket, they might arrest us. And that wouldn't look good for BYU. We'd better get off. So now we got off, and we weren't going to make it on time. We were so close. But then we saw another train conductor on the platform. Craig went up to him and told him that we had a ticket for that train, but we had tickets for a different time. Craig asked, what will happen if we get on that train right now instead of waiting for the time on our tickets? The train conductor barked, ruff, ruff, ruff. He didn't really bark. He just sounded like he was barking. He demanded, let me see your tickets. He looked at them carefully. Then he responded, these tickets are for 729 in eight hours. You'll just have to wait until then. Then Craig asked, but just tell us, what will happen if we get on the train right now? The train conductor looked at us, now a little compassionately. You really want to get on this train, don't you? I responded, yes, we have come all the way from Utah in the United States to give seven-minute speeches at a special session of the General Assembly of the United Nations, and if we don't get on that train, our whole trip will be wasted. The train conductor then said, okay, I'll tell you what will happen if you get on the train right now instead of waiting. First of all, there will probably be two people who bought a ticket for this time that won't have a seat because you got on when you weren't supposed to. Then in about a half an hour, a ticket taker will come up to you and ask, Ticket, please. You will give him your tickets, 
and he will look at them carefully. When he sees you have the wrong tickets, he will open the door on the train and throw you out. Then the conductor started laughing. No, he won't do that. He will say something like, These tickets are for a different time. You have made a mistake. The time on this ticket isn't the right time for this train. And then Craig asks, And then what will happen? The ticket taker will say, I'm so sorry. Because you have the wrong ticket, you'll have to pay a 10% penalty. Craig then asks, And then what? The conductor continued, Then you will give him enough money to cover the extra 10% penalty. And then Craig asked, And then what? The conductor smiled and said, And then the ticket taker will say, Enjoy your trip. Craig asked, Is that all? The conductor responded, That's all. We got so excited, we literally ran to get on the train before it left. There were two empty seats, and so we sat down. After about 10 minutes, I went all around the train to make sure everyone had seats. We had decided if anyone was standing up, we would let them have our seats because we really didn't deserve seats on that train. Well, that's how by exercising our brains and exercising faith, and following impressions, we ended up with the miracle of making it to Geneva, Switzerland at 2.44 p.m. with the chance to make it in time for our seven-minute speeches to the special session of the United Nations General Assembly on January 26th in the year of our Lord 2000. In our next episode, I will tell you more about what happened after we got to Geneva. Sweet dreams, chocolate creams, sleep tight, don't let the bed bugs bite. I love you. We hope you enjoyed tonight's bedtime story. We hope you felt our love for you. And we hope you will have sweet dreams tonight. We love you so much.